Open Field Radio. Like, subscribe, share, and review wherever podcasts are found. Open Field Radio. Cool people having conversations about agriculture and life. Where ag and life collide. Brought to you by Gowan, Christian Brown, McElhaney Company, Tabasco, Avery Island. We talk it all right now. Hello, America, and a growing audience around the world. I am so excited about this episode today. Uh, What you don't know is how long I've been emailing people trying to figure out what the path is to somebody at Avery Island. They say, Mark, what's what's the fascination with Avery Island? Here's the story real quick. I was digging through the internet, the web thing there. You know what I'm talking about, the Google. And I came across this awesome video of this awesome place. It happened to be on Tabasco. Tabasco's website, and it's all about Avery Island, the peppers that are Tabasco, the ecology of the island, which is what Tabasco gives back to the island, and just the heart and the passion that goes into everything from agriculture to product to things you and I like, Tabasco sauce, come on, who doesn't like that? And it's just so complete. The video was awesome, and I thought, how do I get to these people? Well, that was not a straight line, I promise you. But we worked it out, and we're going to hear about the whole thing with Christian Brown in just a little over 60 seconds. Open Field Radio. I don't know about you, but it seems like everywhere I turn right now, there's something about jobs and the abundance of jobs available out there. Well, here's one to throw in the mix. Skip the job. How about a career at Gowan? Maybe you're in agriculture. Maybe you're in science. Maybe you're none of that. Check it out at gowanco.com slash careers. Great opportunities available, and they're all cool. Careers right here in America and around the world. Come see it for yourself. That's gowanco.com slash careers. And tell them you heard it on Open Field Radio. Open Field Radio. Like, share, subscribe. Open Field Radio Season 2, Episode 2 starts right now with our guest Christian Brown from McElhaney Company, Tabasco, and Avery Island. So for the listener, tell me where Avery Island is geographically. Yeah, so uh, Avery Island is in Iberia Parish, which is um, just at the top of Vermilion Bay, which is really south-central Louisiana. We're about a two-hour drive west of New Orleans. We're right on the marsh and uh, just beautiful marshlands and swamplands. It's a great place to live. And you live there? I do. Yes, sir. Wow. What is your role with McElhaney Company? So I work in agriculture um, for McElhaney Company and... uh, uh, that involves a number of things. So we grow uh, about 15 acres of Tabasco peppers on Avery Island every year. Um, but we also grow uh, throughout Latin America and a little bit in Africa as well. So I help um, work with some of our growers abroad to apply our pepper needs. Super cool. Can you give me the history of Avery Island? Yeah, it's actually um, a salt dome that is, is pushed up out of the marsh. Uh, so right now I'm sitting on about... 40,000 feet of salt uh, below the ground. And it came from the Luan salt deposit, uh, which kind of bubbled up in a straight line, a somewhat straight line. So there's a few islands. We call them islands in uh, southern and south-central Louisiana that um, are actually mounds sticking out of the marsh. So it's one of the few places that has hills in southern Louisiana. But it actually started out here. Uh, there was some sugarcane farming and a uh, little bit of uh, cotton farming on the inside but back in 1868 my great 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 grandfather 
uh, started playing around in his um, you know, plant nursery and started growing Tabasco peppers. And from there, he started making a sauce and giving it to friends and then started to sell it a little bit locally and a little bit up to New York and eventually internationally. It's kind of, he grew into a agriculture operation on Avery Island uh, on one portion of it. And it's really, you know, continued that way for the last 150 four years, 53 years now. So we keep that tradition alive and, and keep keep the pepper production over here. Tradition is a big thing with you guys, isn't it? Absolutely. If you look at the process from 153 years ago to today, sure, we have a little more technology and, and different means of, of making the sauce of the original red Tabasco, but Nothing significant has changed in any time. You know, something is introduced that might make something more efficient or more uh, sustainable or, you know, it's tested multiple times to make sure it doesn't, you know, alter the product in any way. Is, is the magic to the agriculture directly tied to the geographic location, Avery Island? So we, we do grow uh, a lot of our, our peppers um, with a grower network spread out in Latin America and Africa. But, um, but absolutely, the, you know, we plant our seeds in usually around February and transplant them to the field mid-April. By that time in this area, uh, you know, we're, we won't have any freezes after that. Um, and the, you know, kind of consistent rain down here uh, throughout the summer. It really helps the plants and the humidity. They like the heat, um, plenty of sun. So kind of an ideal uh, environment over here. And right around now is when we start harvesting. And the harvest will be finished? So it depends. Again, it kind of depends on when that freeze comes. So usually uh, usually we'll pick until about somewhere between Halloween and Thanksgiving. But it's been some years we've had an early freeze and couldn't make it to Halloween and other years where we picked in December. It'll get that cold that early there, huh? Sometimes, yeah. It's not often, but uh, but it's occasionally we'll catch a freeze before, you know, end of October. How many peppers are you harvesting there? So we usually end up with about 50,000 pounds um, a year, but it, what we're really concerned about is not necessarily the, the pepper mash. We make enough of that um supply you know make our family reserve and a couple other specialty items but what we really grow our peppers here is for the seed stock so to ensure that the you know it stays a true heirloom tabasco pepper what our grower network is growing in central america and south america and over in uh, in africa we're actually sending them the seeds you know we started growing down there in i believe the 70s if they had just made their own seed from then it'd probably be a completely different looking plant than it was um so we, we the main reason behind the agriculture on avery island is really to stay true to that seed variety can you say heirloom this the pedigree in this is a straight line is that right it really is. Yeah, so from the first plant Edmund McElhenney made uh, peppers with, really, these are all descendants of, of that plant. You're listening to Open Field Radio. We keep our boots muddy and our ears tuned to the thorny challenges of agriculture. That just sounds cool, doesn't it? Because it's the truth. The Gowan Group is a global, family-owned agriculture solution business headquartered in Yuma, Arizona. Gowan specializes in developing, marketing, and processing agricultural inputs such as crop protection products, seeds, 
and fertilizers. Gowan has grown markets in the majority of the agricultural regions globally. A deep respect for science and a passion for agriculture drives Gowan Company to help growers solve their critical pest and plant health issues. Let's say it together. Gowan Company. I feel like the more shows we do, the more we get to know each other. You know what I mean? I know you, you know me. Oh, look, we're just regular people, right? I mow my yard, you mow your yard. Regular stuff. And when it comes to promoting open field radio, I need regular people to tell other regular people this show is happening. So tell somebody. Knock on somebody's door, call them up, send them a text, whatever, and tell them you're listening to open field radio, and by golly, they should be too. It'll be awesome, I promise, because that's what friends do at Open Field Radio. From the Gowan Global Studio deep inside the Lee Hotel, this is Open Field Radio. Five generations of family agriculture going on at Avery Island. Yes, sir. Yep. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, so, like what you were saying, the, the, the podcast kind of reaches out to people to teach them more about agriculture and how, how influential it is and how it's in a lot, a lot of places you don't see, but... Um, there's no, no one day goes by that I don't learn something. Oh, I'm sure. The fascination with Avery Island is I began to talk to people. I said, Hey, I'm going to do this interview with the folks at Avery Island in Tabasco. And it's funny how many people know about it because I, I was new to it until I found that video. Yeah, love the product, but I was unfamiliar with the island. Um, how many people work the farm on that island? So it's just a crew of eight of us right now. No way. Yeah. <laughs> So we, 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 we stretch it pretty thin over here, but, uh, no, it's, it's, it's a great group of people that, uh, that have been doing, you know, working in this area for a while. And whenever someone new comes in, uh, we're quick to train them up, but during certain times, whether it's, you know, planting, transplanting the, the peppers into the field, planting the seeds, or even making the seeds when we harvest, um, so it's a great way for some of the company to get together. So we do have some employees from other departments that will come help out that's a great idea that's really a great idea you know get someone from a different department uh maybe in accounting or or sales or marketing to be able to come out and see the actual process of planting the peppers and picking them is this something the public can see too so it's a little that where we actually grow the peppers is a little off the beaten path from where the um where the actual tours are at the front of the island. But what we did a few years ago um, was we actually brought a little slice of that to the tour. So we actually have a, a greenhouse along the route of the tour. Um, and then also a little, you know, flower bed full of a few varieties of peppers, including Tabasco. And that's also overseen by the, the field crew so it's the same people tending to both areas so if you are at all curious about the tours and the island yep you can go see it for yourself there is the tabasco brand factory tour and museum that looks pretty darn cool and there is also the jungle gardens which features a number of other attractions there at avery island the buddha statue bird city is part of that of course the wildlife and all the scenery you can take in pretty spectacular experience you know my mom has even been there and she said, totally amazing. See it for yourself. Talk to me about the ecology of Avery Island and the care that is taken because obviously the island gives to you and, of course, Tabasco gives back to the island, so to speak. Can you speak to that? Absolutely. So, as I was saying earlier, the, the marshlands around us are just very pristine and there. It's a breeding ground for a lot of uh, different 
plant life and animal life. Um, and, uh, and so it's very important to us, you know, it's beneficial to the environment all around. So for a very long time, if you go back to my great, great grandfather, E.A. McElhenney, um, he actually started a egret conservatory on the island and brought in all different kinds of varieties of trees and raised different animals. He had alligator farms. So going all the way back to him, we've kind of had uh, the DNA of the family and of the, the island itself, uh, kind of sustainability efforts and giving back. So one of the things that, that we do multiple times a year is uh, we do a lot of grass planting out in the marshes to help the marshes rebuild um, and work with other property owners and landowners in the area to combine efforts. Well, you mentioned the egrets. It's referred to as Bird City. Is that right? That's right. So that uh, that's actually part of Jungle Gardens, which is part of the tour um, if you come to Avery Island. And there's a, a big pond with some bird platforms. Come, you know, March, April, they just swarm in. Um, and it was just kind of crazy seeing with your own eyes how they kind of have this location implanted in their memories. But they uh, they leave usually July, August, and they'll come back in uh, right around March or April, and they just come in swarms. Because our audience is coast to coast in America and uh, beginning to be even further around the world, a lot of people have never been to Louisiana. Can you paint us a postcard of what it looks like there right now where you're at? Yeah, so I'm actually sitting out in the pepper fields right now. Um, so I'm, uh, like I said, Avery Island's a little unique for this area where we're actually at hills. So um, on the left-hand side of me is a hill sloping up towards the top of the island, which the tallest height is about 165 feet. Um, and I'm sitting in the middle of the pepper fields, which are kind of on the outskirts of Avery Island. Uh, and there's a tree line off to my right um, of some live oaks and some pine trees. Just on the other side of that would be uh, be the marsh and then eventually Vermilion Bay, eventually the Gulf of Mexico. So if you want to have some fun, get on Google Earth, Google Maps, whatever it is, or your favorite map site. I happen to be using a site today called Satellites.pro and just put in Avery Island, Louisiana. And there it is. You can see the whole thing, a bird's eye view of the whole place. And with Christian's description just now, you can follow that around pretty easy and kind of see for yourself what the whole place looks like. I'm looking right now at the fields, which he said were kind of on the perimeter of the whole place. I can scroll across and find Willow Pond, which is where Bird City is. I can see the Jungle Gardens, which is where the tour is, and all those kind of things. But you get a better idea of when they say island really what it is. Though it's not an island like you and I would typically think, you know, the Bahamas or something like that, it is definitely a unique land formation right in the middle of this whole marsh area. Check it out for yourself. For those that know and love Tabasco, if I pick up a bottle of Tabasco off the shelf at the grocery store, what do I need to know about that product? What, what's the story behind that product maybe that I don't know? So it's, it, you know, again, it, it goes back 153 years of really the same product that, that was made back then. You know, the process is the same. It's uh, three ingredients, that, that original red Tabasco, uh, which is kind of our bread and butter. We have some great other products out there, but that's kind of our uh, what we love the most. And three ingredients, it's just peppers, salt, and then that's aged for three years. After three years, it's mixed with vinegar strained and put in a bottle 
it's a really simple process, but there's a lot of love and care that goes into it. It sounds so simple. I've read that on the bottle before, and I went, well, heck, this can't be too difficult, but I have no idea. <laughs> Obviously, you have no idea how it goes together, and who's got three years? <laughs> yeah, and that's a big step in the process that, you know, we it's, it's a, a very important to us, and it would be easy to, to take incoming mash and, and immediately turn it into sauce and, and make, uh, you know, make pepper sauce with it but we take that extra step of putting it in wide oak bourbon barrels and, and letting them sit for three years well then let's let without giving away obviously trade secrets or anything else take me through the process of the pepper from when you transplant it to when it goes in the bottle can you do that yeah yeah absolutely so from seed to sauce which is kind of what we like to say over here from seed to sauce it's about a five-year process we let's say we started with a seed this year um, back in february we planted it in some soil grew a, a seedling transplanted it in april we'll harvest it right now and then we'll turn it into uh, you know create more seeds so by the end of next month we'll be able to send those seeds out to our grower network so they'll take that seed and they'll repeat the same process, putting it in the greenhouse and transplanting it. And then they'll grow that up and they'll accumulate enough pepper mash to send a, a 20-foot container up here. We will receive that back on Avery Island. We'll unload it into these white oak barrels and then we'll stack them and pretty much forget about them for three years. So here's a little insight to the barrels. Christian mentioned that they are white oak barrels. They're bourbon barrels sourced from different distilleries around the country. All this information comes from Tabasco.com. You can look it up and find it for yourself, but it's pretty darn cool. When the distilleries retire these barrels, they completely remove any trace of alcohol. And once McElhaney Company receives the barrels, they open the barrels up, remove the char, and wash them out and rehoop them with stainless steel rings. And these quote-unquote retired bourbon barrels still have a ton of life in them. It depends on the barrel, of course. But they can be used another 15 to 20 times on average, times three years of aging, which is on average another 35 to 40 years. They said there's even some barrels in the warehouse that are 80 to 90 years old. What happens to the barrels when they're done? They're broken down and sent out to make Tabasco wood chips. Pretty cool. So right now we're opening mash from 2018. Three years later, we're, we're using that mash and we open it up and skim off the very top layer just that oxidized and pump it out and mix it with vinegar. And then once it's mixed with vinegar, it'll mix for about three or four weeks and then it's strained and put into a bottle. It's that easy. <laughs> it is. Yeah, not much to it. Not much. We don't have a, a secret formula or no. anything. It's pretty straightforward. Well, it's a great product. The mash part of it, is it literally just that? Mashed peppers? It is, yeah. So when I say mash, it is uh, peppers and salt. So they're, the peppers are weighed on a scale. And then a certain percentage of that, uh, you know, weigh out the salt. And then it's run through a hammer mill together. So it's seeds, skins, you know, it's everything from the pepper uh, picked off. So there's no stems or leaves or anything. So it's just the pepper uh, and salt. Is is the harvest of these, is it by hand, by machine? How do you guys do it? So it's by hand. Um, so it's a very labor intensive. Um, we have played around with the concept of mechanically harvesting. 
we've actually been playing around with different concepts since the the 70s and we haven't you can't quite get the same quality out of it at least we haven't found a, a way yet um it's definitely still in our interest but right now everything is hand-picked and uh that's the best quality we can get and is the hand-picking simply i mean I, as i think about the end product uh, I love the hand picking. I love the I love the love that goes into it and the tradition that goes into it. But it does make a difference. Absolutely. Well, you know, if you start mechanically harvesting something, you'll you know, we really only pick the pepper when it's the perfect shade of red. Okay. So if you sure. mechanically harvest, you know, if you put something like a blueberry picker or even a robotic harvester, it's um. It's not always going to pick that perfect red pepper. It might start picking something a little on the orange side or something that's, you know, maybe a little green or even past, you know, past ripe where it starts to darken a little bit. Um, whereas when you have that hand picking aspect to it, you're pretty consistent with what you're going to end up with. Yeah, and you can control it differently. Obviously, right now, big conversation topic is in ag tech is robotics. Absolutely. My goodness, there's a new robot for everything. But in your <laughs> case, it's uh, yeah, being able to look at it, identify it, and know that now is the time. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's been something we've looked into for a long time, and it's, it's a finicky plant to try and mechanically harvest because it, it ripens at different stages. So you're not going to see a Tabasco plant that's all ripe at the same time. So when you come through it, you, you know, you're, most of the time you're going to be damaging unripe pepper and other new growth on the plant that is going to help you down the road. That makes perfect sense. Are there pests or weeds or things that really give you guys problems? Oh, yeah. We, uh, just like any <laughs> any agriculture operation. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, we, you know, we fight oh, a lot of a lot of different things just in the elements. Uh, so we have, um, you know, Phytophthora, we have Fulcerium, we have aphids, spider mites, we'll occasionally get white flies in our greenhouse. So, you know, we, we've seen just about everything, but, you know, we have a lot of different methods we use over here and we're really big on, uh, you know, sustainability and using things like integrated pest management. So we have a lot of flowers that border the pepper fields that'll actually draw uh, leaf hoppers away from the plants that carry different viruses. We actually have a, a small worm farm at the front of the island that will use worm castings to make a worm tea uh, that'll actually act as kind of a natural vitamin for the plants um, that actually keeps them more resilient and makes them more resilient to different diseases and flies and pests. What kind of weeds do you guys get? So we get a little bit of everything. I would say the worst ones are probably uh, nut sage, which we call cocos here. Uh, <laughs> what do you call it? Cocos. Okay. All right. those, nut I sage, mean, I think that's that, everybody's problem, right? Yeah. I mean, that'll grow through concrete. It, that's a fact. That's a fact. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we, we are constantly battling that like many people do. We have a, a lot of different vines like sea thrones um, and, and different but I would say the nut sage gives us the most issues. We get foxtails occasionally. But that's one of the, the benefits of having, um, you know, dedicated uh, agriculture crew, too. Even if it's just a handful of us, you know, we, it's, we try and manicure these, these fields as much as we can. And not instead of planting 200 acres, we try and keep it 
between 15 and 20 acres and we were able to stay on top of it and be able to control that a lot better. So in scheduling this interview, we had a date pick that Christian and I were originally going to talk. Well, as they say, the best laid plans, blah, 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 along comes Hurricane Ida. It came ashore in eastern Louisiana as it pushed its way up through the south central part of the United States and it caused evacuations of which Christian and his family were part of that. So we had to reschedule a little bit, came back, got the interview happening, but it did bring an agriculture question to mind. Obviously, the hurricane just rolled through your area there or through the state. How does the pepper plant do in heavy weather like that? It's a good question. You know, it kind of depends on what time, of you know, what stage it's hit at. So a couple years ago, we had Hurricane Barry that it, it actually came pretty early in the year. Um, and it was right when the plants were flowering. So we ended up, a lot of the flowers were knocked off. Um, and the, we didn't get peppers for about a month later than we normally do. But for the most part, they're, they're fairly resilient plants. You know, they, they see, well, occasionally we'll get some knocked down from heavy winds, but they're, uh, they're very sturdy plants. Coast to coast and around the world. You're listening to Open Field Radio. Got trouble with Nuts Edge? Who doesn't have trouble with Nuts Edge? What you need is effective Nuts Edge control that lasts. Sedgehammer Herbicide from Gowan Company. Effective Nuts Edge control controls both purple and yellow Nuts Edge. Low use rate, perfect for warm or cool seasons. Controls Nuts Edge above and below the ground. That's one of the important parts right there. And of course, it's pets and people friendly. You can return as soon as it's dry. Great for commercial application, large coverage areas, complete systemic control. Control 7 to 14 days. Long-lasting results. That's season-long efficacy under normal pressure. So take control of Nuts Edge with Sedgehammer Herbicide. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Company. Cool people having conversations about agriculture and life. Open Field Radio. And now back to Open Field Radio with our guest from McElhaney Company and Tabasco, Christian Brown. How many acres worldwide does McElhaney farm for Tabasco? I don't actually know the answer to that, but uh, but it's it reaches very far, um, and uh, we're we're in Nicaragua, Guatemala, Honduras, Ecuador, Peru, Colombia, and Zimbabwe, and then we have the, the operation here. Wow! And those fifteen acres, though, man, the tradition and the love in those fifteen acres is amazing, right there where you are. Absolutely, yeah. Like I said, a lot of love and care goes into into this side and then it definitely spreads out to our grower network and then back over here once the mash gets back over here. What's it take to be a grower for you guys? So we, uh, we actually have really great relationships with, uh, with some people in Central and South America that uh, many of them are multi-generational. Um, so we work with some really great communities and, and some, some great contacts down there that have been directly or indirectly involved with the business for quite some time. But, you know, as the company grows, we're, we're always looking into new regions and we've looked in new regions and maybe it hasn't worked out. And we're always, uh, always keeping an ear to the ground. Is Avery Island the only area in America you grow them? Uh, actually, we, we have a small research facility over at um, University of Florida uh, that we uh, it's, it's usually just about an acre or two, but uh, University of Florida and then uh, uh, the Beeling family over there. 
they grow a little test plot for us and, and just kind of continue an outside perspective of some of the research we're doing. And that research, I'm sure, is continual. It never stops. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's always getting that, that outside perspective and thinking of, uh, of new ways to, to learn even more about the pepper plant uh, 153 years later. Can you give me a favorite story from Avery Island in your time there? Oh, man, I think there's there's too many to, to even think of. But I started working here um, in the summers growing up. Uh, I think I was 13 or 14. Um, I think I was, was off the, the official pay books. But, uh, <laughs> I, um, but I, I started out here cutting bamboo for 25 cents a stalk and that's you know in the middle of summer and uh it's a it's it's not not a fun job for you know being in in middle school but um it was it really you know working the summers out here you get to meet a lot of family members and a lot of people in the area employees children and things like that so uh having this place to you know come visit or work or live here for a summer you it's really a gathering place for a lot of people, and it's, those summers are what made me appreciate Avery Island and everything that's involved with it. What's your favorite thing about being a part of the legacy of such a great American product? Oh, man. I, I think it's the fact that even though it's it's a very old company steeped in tradition, it's you learn something new every day about, about the company or about the, the places it's reached or... It's just, it's extremely humbling. The, the more that I've learned about it, the more that I've lived here and spent time here, it's the more you learn, the more you're humbled. And that's just been um, extremely true for me. If I pick up a bottle of Tabasco, it's got your family name on it. Is there one thing you want me to know every time I pick it up? It's, uh, it's a 153-year-old recipe that still uh, still doesn't need any tweaking. And it's um, a, lot of, a lot of different hands and and. A lot of love and care goes into every single one of those bottles. You've been listening to Open Field Radio from Gowan Company. Like, share, subscribe, review. Everywhere podcasts are found. The views and opinions expressed by the guests of Open Field Radio are theirs and do not necessarily reflect those of the program. All rights reserved. No duplication or redistribution without permission.